0: This is the Rich Eisen Show. Blake Griffin, old school. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. They threw trash cans on the floor. Dusty Baker basically told everybody to move on. That everyone here kind of served their penance in a way. All right, move on. Nothing to see here. Rich Eisen
1: Show. Today's guests: NFL draft analyst Matt Miller, host of TBS's Wipeout, John Cena, actor Christopher Mintz-Plasse,
0: co-host of Peacock's Brother from Another, Michael Smith. And now it's Rich Eisen. All righty, everybody, welcome to this edition of the Rich Eisen Show. We're live here in Los Angeles, California, on Peacock, on this Rich Eisen Show to Radio Terrestrial Radio Network on Sirius XM Channel Two Eleven. NBC Sports Audio. Good to see you over there. Chris Brockman, how My are man, you, My man, it's
1: Masters. It is, in fact, man. that. Let's go.
0: Mike Del Tufo, good, good to, to see you. T.J. Jefferson, good to see you. Hello, Rich. There is no tournament uh, in golf that makes you want to go out and hit a, a golf ball quite like the Masters. It is just, uh, it's great to have back. It's been two years since we had the Masters in the month of March April, when it's supposed man. to be. Uh, pardon me, in the month of April when it's supposed to be. Um We had it uh, last fall. It's weird that it's back so fast, but we'll take it. We'll take it. We'll take it. We will take it. You know, how many people could say, hey, hey, I have an opportunity to win the Masters for the second time in five months? We've never heard that before, but Dustin Johnson has that opportunity. Um, He is teeing off later this afternoon, correct? Um, That's when he's going to go. Correct. Uh, Uh, we've got uh, coming up in this hour, Fred Couples and Francesco Molinari and Zach Johnson are all going to be teeing off. Justin Rose, Shane Lowry, and Matt Kuchar. Uh, Phil Mickelson is going to get out there in the second hour of our show. Bryson DeChambeau, right in the middle of our show, is when he's going to be getting out there and swinging from his heels. And then the two people who will be just standing there with their hands on their atop their drivers watching uh, will be Adam Scott and Max Homa. Great group. That's a good one right there, Great huh?
1: Group Hideki Matsuyama,
0: your leader right now, just eagled eight to get the three under. Jordan Spieth in the final, uh, in the final group of the day that goes off at uh, two p.m. Eastern time, right at the top of our third hour of this program, uh, when we're going to be welcoming in Christopher Mintz-Plasse. So that's the way we roll right here. Is uh, we have uh, an actor from uh, one of the Academy Award-nominated films promising young woman we all know Christopher Minz Ploss obviously from his time as uh in Superbad as McLovin <laughs> aka Fogel from Superbad back oh, in the day no. uh it's uh, it's Christopher mintz Ploss's uh film debut in uh, back in the day in Superbad but as we all know this is his uh this is a shot at Oscar gold right here Go with it. all due respect to Superbad uh John Cena will be joining us right in the middle of this show My kids cannot get enough of Wipeout. Can't get enough of Wipeout with him and Nicole Byer. And uh, I Zoomed with John yesterday. And yes, TJ Jefferson, we did stroll down WrestleMania memory lane a little bit. WrestleMania is coming up this weekend right here on Peacock. We're excited to welcome in maybe uh, some new viewers uh, into Peacock who are going to be hitting that subscribe button for us and also hitting that button uh, to go get Peacock and, and check us out every day between 12 and 3 Eastern time. We take you to Brother from Another Every Day, and Michael Smith is part of that show. He will join us to help us take us to his program. Matt Miller's first up, everybody, as we're checking out everything that's going down um, at uh, Augusta National, keeping an eye on the leaderboard. Um, Jack Nicholas did, in fact, hit that ceremonial first tee shot today. He's at Augusta. We will take you there as much as we possibly can. To uh, let you know what's going on there. Matt Miller uh, will be joining us from ESPN because we have the NFL draft on the brain. Yeah, we do. As I said at the end of yesterday's show, the, 40, well, the 49ers are now on the clock. They're right now on the clock. There are there are no questions atop this draft with Trevor Lawrence. And then there now we have no question atop this draft with Trevor Lawrence. And then Zach Wilson after all that. There are no questions on that front anymore because Sam Darnold is now a Carolina Panther and the Jets are going to be taking Zach Wilson and that will be the end of that. And now we can focus our attention on what the hell happened a couple of Fridays ago when the 49ers decided to uh, swap spots with the Miami Dolphins and then flip the more draft draft choices in what appeared to be a um, three-way trade when the Eagles quickly announced with the Dolphins that they were... um, Swapping spots with Miami's new place. So it went a couple Fridays ago and we woke up. Miami, Philadelphia, San Francisco in 3, 6, and 12 on the draft order. Now it is San Francisco 3, Miami 6, Philadelphia 12. And we're all wondering what the hell did the 49ers do this for? It's Mac Jones, it's Trey Lance, it's Justin Fields. And not a single one of those three will be the type of quarterback in the mind's eye of everybody who's observing the NFL draft from the fan point of view. You're not looking at the All 22, you're not in the meeting rooms, you're not all that. Not a single one of those, not Mac Jones, not Justin Fields, and not. Trey Lance will be the guy that you sit there and go, well, 49ers, now we know why they traded all that draft capital for that guy. (laughs) And there will be questions going into the season about any one of those three who is going to be learning at the side of Jimmy Garoppolo unless somebody gets particularly desperate and offers a deal to San Francisco that uh, pries Jimmy G away from them and makes them... Put themselves in a position prior to the draft where they'll be like, okay, I guess we got to go shopping for a veteran who who might have to start or might have to go if the rookie isn't ready in training camp. I mean, Jimmy G provides the 49ers that cushion to just take their time with whoever they draft third overall, and there's not going to be any hue and cry from the fan base, let alone management, to push that kid into the starting lineup in week one because of all the draft capital that they coughed up because Kyle Shanahan has the juice. He's got the long-term contract and he's got the juice. He's got the ear of his boss in Jed York. He clearly is attached to the hip with John Lynch, who is the one who helped execute this trade. There is no internal pressure saying this kid's got to start, so Jimmy G affords them the ability, certainly if they can afford it, and, the cap. and if Shanahan is all that he is, in fact, cracked up to be, he can handle Jimmy G's personality if there is something that needs to be handled with a quarterback who, yeah, might need to have an arm thrown around him and said, you took us to the Super Bowl two years ago, but now you're clearly not the quarterback of the future. But please do coach this kid up and try and get us back to the Super Bowl <laughs> this year, which is what could be asked of Jimmy Garoppolo in 2021. So all eyes are on the – it's all about the San Francisco 49ers right now is the way I kind of laid it all out there. And Matt Miller's first up in 12 minutes' time. He has his quarterback depth chart in terms of prospects in the 2021 draft. He has Trevor Lawrence followed by Justin Fields, followed by Zach Wilson, followed by Trey Lance. He's got Mac Jones fifth on his quarterback depth chart. And we're all assuming right now it is, in fact, Mac Jones' world. Because clearly he's the one that was the national champion quarterback. He's the one who's most pro-ready from Alabama, and thus he's the one that Shanahan can place in his system and be most comfortable with, and we have no earthly idea if that's the case. We're just all assuming right now. We have no earthly idea if that's the case. And man, we're going to get that answer in three weeks from tonight. It is at three weeks from tonight. Roger Goodell will step to that podium. I'm assuming we will all assume what it will be. Just in the same way that we all assumed it would be Saquon Barkley when we left the combine in 2018. And then all of a sudden we heard it was going to be Baker Mayfield a couple days before. And we're all like, what the what? And then we all held our breath and sure enough it was Baker Mayfield. Oh my gosh. We're all assuming, you know, it's Mac Jones. What does that mean for the Atlanta Falcons, who Matt Miller, back in February, long before the 49ers made this maneuver, had Kyle Pitts put in there? Does that mean they're just going to go and get Kyle Pitts? Apparently, Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys is quote-unquote infatuated with Kyle Pitts. Interesting. Feels that that's the last missing piece. Oh. That's the answer. (laughs) 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 That you put Kyle Pitts with Dak and Zeke and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb try and stop the Dallas Cowboys. And again, I'm telling everyone right now, the Dallas Cowboys, you know, the reason why you're shaking your head is probably twofold. One, Dallas would have to make a serious maneuver to even get in the area code of being able to sniff the galaxy of Kyle Pitts. If you're assuming he's going to go anywhere between four through six, Dallas is going to have to move up. They don't have the capital to really do that. But, and Dallas is going to have to fix its defense through the draft. And I know that's the reason why you were shaking your head, correct? Yeah, very much I'm so. I'm telling you. <laughs> put a pin in that.
2: Put your damn act together. <laughs> put a pin in it. What are we
0: doing? Dallas is going to, what is Dallas draft? I don't have the draft order we're directly in front of me. You're a 10, right? Yeah. We we need defensive help correct. terribly. Right. And and for you, to you might be the one knocking on the door of the Atlanta Falcons right now and maybe coughing up. A two this year, two. I don't know. if It would cost a, a one to go from ten to four. I don't. I don't know if it would cost another one. But I'm 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 betting Jerry Jones is seriously considering. He's the one who's calling up Atlanta, say what do you want for four, and he's the one who wants to go there and get Kyle Pitts. By the way, I wouldn't and, be upset with Kyle Pitts, but that's you know we have bigger pressing. I know that, and and I'll, I'll, I'm going to repeat this over the next three weeks as well. But just wait for the fact that a 10th overall, if there is no defensive player that completely blows any doors off, that he'll go for another offensive player and basically say, we have helped fix this defense just by hiring Dan Quinn. You're hearing that already, that they like their roster. It'll be a better scheme, a more scheme fit, and Dan Quinn is such a terrific defensive coordinator and dynamic personality that's kind of the exact opposite of mike mccarthy's outward demeanor but at any rate it really is all about what the 49ers are going to do and that's where i want to kind of bring up what we touched upon yesterday just you know for for you know what's in giggles as to what's the most interesting division in the nfl going into this draft and then maybe going into the season. Because if some team makes a move in the draft out of a different division than one that we're going to be talking about right now, that does change the tenor of the conversation. But right here and right now, to me, it is still the NFC West. And I know it's the West Coast, and everybody, you know, rolls their eyes about the West Coast. And everybody rolled their eyes about the West Coast when it came to March Madness and the Final Four and how, you know, it's an it's an East Coast bias world in which we live in sports, with the exception of college football, then it's a Southeast bias. Absolutely. That's your bias in college football. It's more Northeast and East Coast when it comes to just sports in this country. But when you've got a team that was two years removed from the Super Bowl, essentially telling their quarterback that he's officially on the clock, He's got one more year left, and if there's an offer of somebody knocking on the door of someone who's desperate for a quarterback, that doesn't appear to be right now. Chicago's not going to do it. New England's not going to do it. I mean, who is so quarterback needy that they're going to blow the Niners away to say, cough up the cushion of you being able to start Jimmy Garoppolo to give him a year for your newly drafted quarterback? Who's going to be – like, you could be our – Alex Smith the year that we drafted, the Kansas City drafted Mahomes. Like that's the sort of thing. I don't see it and the Niners could still win the Super Bowl with Jimmy G this year while this kid sits there and watches. Matthew Stafford's here in Los Angeles, California. I think that that might turn out to be the best offseason acquisition. It was the first. It might wind up being the best. We'll see how that plays out Seattle we all feel has one more year left maybe with Russell Wilson all good now all good now but maybe this is one last shot across the bow Russell swan song in Seattle we will be looking at every single time this guy gets sacked is it his fault is it the fault of the scheme is it the fault that the team didn't draft or do anything to protect him Oh, my gosh, they pizzayed Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, the running game, new offensive coordinator Pete Carroll, chomping gum like he's 12 years old. (laughs) Bobby Wagner, closing window of opportunity, slobber knocker games between those three teams, and then throw in Arizona, which just adds J.J. Watt to the mix. They just keep adding players to this mix. Love the division, and I understand. You know, I want to give voice to our major domo in the back, diehard Saint fan Don Bowie of this program. He thinks it's the NFC South because you've got Tom Brady in age forty-four trying to run it back with the first team since the, I believe the '70s Steelers, the '78 Steelers, to return all twenty-two starters from the previous year's championship team. We haven't seen that in a long time, and certainly. It's a relic with the salary cap era. They're bringing everyone back, including Tom Brady. Drew Brees is gone. First time since his arrival that they have somebody who is installed as the number one starter in this team. Is it? It's going to be Jameis Winston, it looks like, as he's moving around in the swimming pool in viral fashion, <laughs> getting ready for the season.
1: Eating W's.
0: Swimming W's. Now, we'll show that later on. <laughs> Carolina's now got Sam Darnold, and of course Atlanta is now going to be potentially on the clock fourth overall making the moves, but I don't think anything compares to the NFC West. You know, the NFC North clearly has a new regime in Detroit, but a lot of people need to have it shown to them first before they start caring. The Bears are just a fascinating team because of the Bears' decision making and the big YOLO swing for the Russell Wilson fence that they missed. Aaron Rodgers hosting Jeopardy and maybe winning a championship at the same time. And then there's the Vikings. I I mean, the money division in the NFC East. The AFC East seems to be getting more and more interesting. I think so. AFC West. There might be some table pounders for the AFC North since, you know, they did send three teams to the playoffs last year. And Joe Burrow's coming back. AFC South. Mm, Joe Burrow. We have to say the AFC South is brought to you by the phrase with all due respect. But that's where I'm going right now. And the 49ers lead that charge, man, because they lead the draft charge. They lead the Jimmy G charge. They can win the Super Bowl charge. Kyle Shanahan is, there's a new for San Francisco, like in an, Kyle we trust, sort of like in New England within Bill we trust. And, you know, there's a lot on the line, man. I love the NFC West. It's it's annually my favorite division. It might be biased because I live out here now. But it is the 49ers draft world in which we're living. And we could be watching them win the Super Bowl this year, too, with everybody who comes back healthy. They could run it back. Last year was just a wild year from COVID to the injuries, injuries yeah. to – Name it. It happened to San Francisco last year. Make that our poll question, would you please? At Rich yeah, Isen it's Show. up
1: at Rich Eisen Show. What's the most interesting division in the NFL for 2021? AFC East, NFC West, NFC South,
0: yes. NFC North. Okay, there you go. Put that out there, huh? NFC North over the NFC East. I guess this what happens when you win to, somebody wins a division they didn't even uh, finish at 500. I guess that's what happens.
1: just think. A lot of quarterback intrigue in there.
0: Matt Miller, John Cena, Christopher mintz Michael Smith, and you. 844204 for rich keeping one eye on the leaderboard and everything else going on with the NFL Draft when we come back on The Rich Eisen Show. But before we take a break, let's tell you a little bit about the Epic Speed Driver from Callaway. Gosh, do I love the Epic Drivers. And now the Epic Speed Driver has the Jailbreak Speed Frame, which is an AI design structure that connects the top and bottom of the driver right behind the face to enhance torsional stability at impact. So what this means is the driver head doesn't twist as much and then doesn't deform as much when you hit the ball. More energy stays within the driver face, transfers to the golf ball. More energy to the golf ball means more ball speed. Booyah. Jailbreak speed frame sounds so useful because it is. There's an Epic driver for just about every player because of that jailbreak speed frame in all the drivers. Most players are going to love the Epic's Max, the forgiveness of it. The uh, Epic Speed is the fastest Epic, and the Best Players Epic is the Max LS because it capitalizes on the Tour Preferred combo of low speed plus high stability. Check out the epic family of drivers at callawaygolf.com/epic. That's callawaygolf.com/epic. I love these drivers, you will too. Back with Matt Miller on the Rich Eisen Show in just a moment. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts people, or as you might know from their jingle, o o o O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. in store and now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com.
3: This is the Rich Eisen Show. Sure. Mr. Del Tufo, this is not your first time in front of this committee, so please be aware that you're still under oath. Is it correct that besides your audio mixing duties on The Rich Eisen Show that you're also a DJ and you go by the name of DJ Michael D? Yes, sir, uh, that is correct. So what does the D stand for? D's Nuts. Excuse me? Actually, Snoop Dogg
2: can tell you. Hit it, guys. What it do, it's your boy Big Snoop D-O-double-G and my DJ, DJ Mikey D. D is in these nuts.
3: Mr. Del Tufo, do you consider yourself an authority on music? Totally, music is my life. I even have the word music tattooed on my arm. Mr. Del Tufo, our staff did some research on your tattoo. It actually translates to my bad. So right now, we're gonna play a clip from your show from earlier this month. If we can uh, can roll that, please. I've seen Springsteen like 50-plus times. He's a one-trick pony, and I've seen him a million times. Wow. (laughs) Mr. Del Tufo, to your knowledge, has Mr. Springsteen ever won a Grammy? Yes, sir, he has. Do you know how many? Three or four. Mr. Springsteen has won 20 Grammy Awards. Ooh, that's a lot. Has Mr. Springsteen ever won an Oscar? Yes, sir, for the song Philadelphia. Has he ever won a Tony Award? Uh, I don't believe he's ever won a Tony. Mr. Springsteen received a 2018 Special Tony Award for his solo show on Broadway my bad again so much for one trick pony isn't it mr Del Tufo? let's move on can you tell us what the word swag means in the broadcast industry free clothing or items that are given to people that work for companies and how many pieces of swag do you think you've received over the years thousands so out of these thousands of pieces of swag do you think at this point you know what sizes you wear yes sir let's roll tape please this my ass it won't fit it's a little tiny <laughs> That video is the uh, XL shirt, which uh, was very snug, to say the least. That's a kid's XL, I believe. Lastly, Mr. Del Tufo, the FCC has received numerous complaints about you. The Dan Libetard Show brought this to our attention, and I think we should show it right now. Who was talking to Rich Eisen that was so titillated by these magic and bad ideas? Ooh. <laughs> I heard that guy, too. Yeah. Mr. Del Tufo, do you realize that the sounds you make on your show could be interpreted as obscene or sexual in nature? Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, Yeah. Whoa, whoa! Wait, wait a second! Wait a second! Oh, baby! Ah, yeah! Enough! Stop! Please! Ah, let the record show that he's doing it right now! Oh, baby! Ooh, yeah! Ooh, yeah! No, boy!
0: (laughs) So I think it was from (laughs) it was from Levitard show because Dan heard us talking about something that stu Gatz had already been talked always been talking about and then of course stu Gatz accused me of stealing from him like that's what i do with my spare time is is make sure i'm well aware of his thoughts and takes and he heard you moaning and groaning during all that stuff now <laughs> i can't unhear it Intense. back here on the rich Eisen show everybody eight four four two zero four. rich is the number to dial Three weeks from tonight, I will be sitting alongside my friends uh, Charles Davis and the uh, the great Daniel Jeremiah and then David Shaw of Stanford. Those are the four of us who will be on the NFL Network main set, if you will, getting ready to hear Roger Goodell and only 10 prospects that are going to be there, by the way. And I have a couple of cents on that subject um, later on on this show. Um, and so uh, we're going to get some answers and I can't wait for him. And uh, in the meantime, though, let's talk about the evaluation process and what uh, everyone is thinking about it. And last time uh, we had this man on, he was at his previous place of business. He is now an ESPN NFL Draft Analyst, man who I follow on Twitter at NFL Draft Scout, Matt Miller, back here on the show. How are you, Matt? I'm doing well, Rich. Good to talk to you again. Good to chat with you. So, let's... uh, Wow, I'm looking at your headshot right now. You've you 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 you've tightened everything up for ESPN, man. Look at you. You're very you're very stylish. I, you're
2: probably looking at an old headshot. Chris.
0: No, that's I not. Think that's what's happening. I, I think that's new, right, Chris? What do you think? Like looks new to Ble- me. Bleacher Report. You look like Romo oh, just wow. strolling out of his uh, front door. And <laughs> now look at you. Look at you all buttoned up. <laughs> right. Jeez. It's the, you know I had to go buy
2: clothes because the bleach Report was like we don't want to look like ESPN. Wear a hoodie. You know, backward hat. You could dress however you want. You're appealing to 14 year olds. You're at the ESPN, and they're like, "Hey, you need to dress like the adult that you are." So,
0: welcome it, to the world, Matt. The thing. Is welcome to the right? world, Matt. <laughs> Sit up straight, eat your vegetables, and give us some NFL draft <laughs> concepts here. So, exactly. Let's get right into it here. Um, the The quarterback draft board that you currently have for you going into this draft for the for the best prospects in the NFL at that position are go for it.
2: Trevor Lawrence, I, we're not going to argue about that, right? right. He's, he's the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. He's number one. I think the conversation really starts there. I personally have Justin Fields as the number two quarterback in this draft. Zach Wilson, the number three quarterback. And I, I posted it this morning on Twitter. They are ranked one spot apart on my overall big board, number six and number seven overall. Trey Lance coming in at QB4. I have him as the number 11 overall prospect. And then Mac Jones from Alabama, the number five quarterback for me, and ranked number twenty-six overall on the big board. So a bit of a drop down to Mac Jones, in my opinion. Um, all good quarterbacks, right? To have a first-round grade as a quarterback is—you have to be pretty good at what you're doing. But I, I think there are some gaps between these prospects.
0: Let's get into Justin Fields here, Matt Miller, because um, it is now widely assumed, and I think uh, correctly so, that the Jets are not going to go in his direction. That's going to be a Zach Wilson spot for him. So, what what is the evaluation of Justin Fields? And let's throw it all in the mix here, because as you know, I, I don't want to get you in the involved in the the Orlovsky Herb Street um, you know yeah, set to here. That. Yeah. But yeah. that's that's what that's that you know that that's what's happening right now with this kid who's going to have a second pro day. Uh, throw it a second pro day because Ohio State is scheduled a, a number two for for him and everyone else. What, what is your evaluation of Justin Fields?
2: Yeah, I, I'm in love with the player and the person. I think when you look at Justin Fields, the first thing you have to say is he has won at every level. High school, a true freshman at Georgia. He was kind of in a situation where he didn't even have the opportunity to unseat Jake Braum, but when he was on the field, he was productive and, and played well. He transferred to Ohio State, never lost a game uh, in the Big Ten. I'm sorry to bring that up
0: to good. Michigan
2: uh, fans listening to this. Never lost a game in the Big Ten. Uh, took his team to the college football playoffs two years in a row. He is six foot three, 230 pounds. He has I think the strongest arm in this class, Zach Wilson throws a beautiful deep ball. I think Justin Fields' arm is a little bit stronger overall. He ran a 4-4 in the 40-yard dash. Even if you want to account for the pro day watch being a little faster, that's still exceptionally fast at 230 pounds for a quarterback. So I look at it, Rich, and say, okay, let's." when we're evaluating players, what we try to do is what can they do, and then what questions do I have that I can't answer. With Justin Fields, I know what he can do, and I have the fewest questions because I've seen him do it in the Big Ten – seen him do it against Alabama and Clemson and Notre Dame. He's done it against the best of the best. So I don't know why we are over-evaluating this prospect. It comes down to, you know, I've heard people say he can't get off his first read. Watch the Clemson game. He's getting to his fourth three. He threw six touchdowns against Brent Venables' defense. That doesn't happen. Or you have people saying, I I love Dan Orlovsky. He's great at his, at his job. And I, I know he's just sharing information that he hears. But yeah, I just remember when when the Ohio State season was shut down when the Big Ten said no, we're not going to play it was him who said, let us play. And when everything happened last summer with the George Floyd murder and the Black Lives Matter movement, it was Justin Fields stepping up and becoming a leader. And so maybe he's not the loudest, you know, Tom Brady dropping F-bombs, but he, he is a good leader, and he's he shown that through his time at Ohio State. So I think a lot like Justin Herbert last year, we're overthinking it with Justin Fields. And, and it, the same thing happened with Deshaun Watson, who I, I I don't even know if we're supposed to say his name right now because of the allegations, but as a football player, the same thing happened to Sean Watson. These guys get overthought because we know they're good for a long time, and then in two years we're like, dang, how did Justin Fields fall so far in the draft? Who let this happen? And I'm glad that I'm going to have a lot of clips now of me saying, don't let this guy fall in the draft.
0: Matt Miller, ESPN NFL draft analyst also. He has a podcast, two guys, a girl, and a podcast right here on the Rich Eisen Show. So why are we all assuming that it's Mac Jones? If you're, you're so high on Justin Fields, I'm sure there are, some, there are many – in the talent evaluation community um, that share a similar opinion as you do uh, of Justin Fields and maybe even have him uh, as high as you do uh, on their draft boards as well above Zach Wilson. Mm -hmm. Why are we assuming it's Mac Jones at third overall for the 49ers?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And that's a, a hard part of being a draft analyst is you have to really differentiate between what you think will happen and what, should happen or what you would do and so with mock drafts i've heard daniel jeremiah who you mentioned he's amazing he says that a mock draft is what he hears rankings are what he sees and i think that's the best way to to describe that that difference so a mock draft is based on what you're hearing from people around the league and rich i know you talked to a lot of people as well i can't find anyone who thinks it will be someone other than mac jones at number three Mm -hmm. i did have one person say if it were trey lance i wouldn't be shocked but i would be surprised Everyone you talk to, you know, Adam Schefter's reporting it. Uh, Chris Mortensen's reporting it. You got Chris Sims, who's buddies with Kyle Shanahan, saying Matt Jones is perfect for their offense. Like, these connections don't just get made up. Like, we're not all sitting around like, you know what we should do today? Mess with Niner fans. Like, these connections are happening for a reason. And I think you could look at every mock draft right now from a, you know, a network analyst All of them have Mac Jones to San Francisco. We don't ever agree on anything, and we all agree on this right now. So I think that that's something where should it be Mac Jones? Not in my opinion. Uh, Is he a good quarterback? Yes. He's smart. He's accurate. uh, He's very, very much a scheme fit with a lot of play action where he's had to turn his back to the defense. Uh, He's had to make those reads you know, deep down the field, uh, and he, uh, he throws a beautiful football. But he's the least athletic, and he has the weakest arm of the top five quarterbacks in this class. That's hard to imagine trading two future first-round picks for, in my opinion.
0: Well, I mean, the issue is, I guess, Matt, is that we, we've we heard similar evaluations of Mac Jones as you've had throughout the you know senior bowl all the way through, yeah. essentially to when the 49ers made a remarkable maneuver from 12 to 3. And that's where I think there is a disconnect is to – why would the 49ers trade all that draft capital when they could have sat there at 12 and waited for them and maybe struck a deal with, you know, the Broncos to to go or, you know, Carolina or even the Lions right? maybe, you know, on draft night, just wait. Why make such a bold maneuver a month plus before the draft to get all the way to three for somebody who, you know, again, and we may have been way off we were saying, hey, maybe the maybe the Patriots just sit there in the middle of the first round and Mac Jones will be available. Was he not? Was he being pushed up so many draft boards that the Niners had to go to 3 to get him?
2: That's the only thing that makes sense. Is that John Lynch and Adam Peters were hearing from their connections that hey, this guy's going to go earlier than you think. So, you're probably hearing that, you know, like you said the Carolina Matt Rule had Mac Jones at the senior bowl. You're probably hearing that, you know, Carolina's been aggressive. They would go up for him. And so you're basically doing what the Chicago Bears did with the 49ers in 2017 when they traded up one spot to get Mitch Trubisky. Now this is a much bigger trade up, but you're, you're moving up just to secure your guy. And I think, you know, I was at the BYU Pro Day with John Lynch the day that this trade went down. And I think that's the other side of it is you probably look at your evaluation and say there are three quarterbacks we love. If we get to three, we make sure we get one of them. You don't have to worry about someone jumping, you know, into that three spot, into the four spot, which we all hear now Atlanta wants to trade out. So you're just making sure you get your guy. And, like, you have to applaud the aggressiveness to say, we like three quarterbacks. If the Jets take someone else, we'll take Zach Wilson. No big deal. Um, But, man, you're right. It is a lot. And I I still look at the draft board and say, without trades, he probably would have been there at seven. So could you have gone from 12 to seven, and to do it a month out is curious as well, because the price of draft of draft trades it, it only decreases as you get closer to the draft. Like there will be moves that happen on Thursday night, April twenty ninth, that are not going to be this expensive. So the Niners really had to feel like someone else was going to make this move if they didn't, whether it's a Carolina, a Denver, or New England. So I'm I'm sure that the Miami Dolphins did a great job of of making that point known.
0: Matt Miller here on the Rich Eisen show. So yeah, and I, I I'm loath to talk about draft capital used to go up and get somebody uh because that's not going to be talked about if mac jones does what the niners would want him to do right i mean like a, how, right. how it like it took maybe a year a year and a half two years when we stopped talking about what thomas dimitroff who's on our show friday by the way gave up to move up to get julio jones right like when when julio jones toe-tapped and uh, in, in the Super Bowl, with what probably would have been one of the greatest catches in Super Bowl history, that we'd be talking about today if the if Atlanta held on a win, nobody's saying, "Wow, look how much money! Look how much they gave up to go draft him!" Right? Like we don't we don't talk about that. We didn't talk about what the Jets gave up to go get Sam Darnold until like now. Now we're talking about it because it didn't work out. So I'm kind of loath right, to stay away. Works. Right? I'm kind of loath to stay away from that sort of stuff. Uh, but you know, put it all in a hopper though, and you're you're wondering if this means Trey Lance gets pushed up into four because if Mac Jones gets pushed up into three, does Lance get pushed up into four? And what decision do you think the Falcons are sitting on right now, Matt Miller, on on Trey Lance?
2: Yeah, I think that is the the next logical player who gets pushed up because there does seem to be a disconnect between how analysts view Justin Fields and how the NFL views him. So I think Trey Lance is the next name and the Falcons do have that decision to make. 36-year-old Matt Ryan, who's seemingly under contract for two more years after that restructure and i think this is where the owner arthur blank has to step in basically and say it's let's draft the quarterback of the future or let's reload and try to make a run because you still have matt Ryan, you still have julio jones you have an offensive line you've invested a lot of draft picks in so do you say to arthur smith hey i hired you to work with matt ryan and to work with julio jones let's draft kyle pitts and no one is going to be able to defend us because we have two anomalies, one at wide receiver, one at mm. offensive weapons. So I think that is the really the, the dynamic we're trying to figure out right now is what is the edict from the owner? Does Arthur Blank say, okay, we're, we're restarting with Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith, or is he saying we have a, a quarterback who maybe someday is a Hall of Famer, we have a Hall of Fame wide receiver, let's keep these guys together for a couple more years and try to make a run in an NFC South that New Orleans presumably is going to be down, the Panthers are rebuilding, the Bucks are obviously very talented, but uh, I think you would hope that with those offensive weapons you might be able to compete in that division and then see where it goes from there.
0: What decision do you make, Matt, knowing that Justin Fields and Trey Lance could be sitting there at four, the evaluation of, of Ryan, uh, Julio Jones, who is, as you mentioned, an anomaly, but that's when he... Plays, you know. I mean, it, it, right. it, it's been a while since we've seen a 16 game season out of Julio Jones. What do you think? What do you about th- think about that evaluation? Yeah.
2: yeah, so I actually would go quarterback, and I think the re- reason being, I'm exceptionally high as I mentioned on Justin Fields and Trey Lance. I think peaking ahead. Now, these guys always come out of nowhere, but peaking ahead, next year's quarterback class doesn't look as strong. So, even if you want to move on to Matt Ryan next year, what is the likelihood that you're drafting at number four overall? Seems pretty low with a healthy Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Uh, And then you have to think, okay, is next year's quarterback class as good as this one? Could we see a Justin Fields or Trey Lance on the board where we're selecting? I I think instead of hedging your bet and saying, you know what, we'll probably be bad next year. We'll get a quarterback in the future. I, I think you look at it and say, now's the time to get our guy in the future because we don't expect to be drafting in the top five again. And we don't want to be in a situation where we have to trade two future first round picks to get up into the quarterback market.
0: So the quarterback draft class, um, let's go compare them to the last three, I guess. Let's go back or four because that includes Mahomes, Watson, and, and Trubisky. What do you got for me uh, on how this tr- quarterback draft class do you think shapes up,
2: Matt? Yeah, I think that I think what helps this year is that Trevor Lawrence is you know a quote unquote generational quarterback prospect. So that that puts it above. Obviously, in hindsight, we were. Oh, way too low on Patrick Mahomes. You would love the chance to redo that one and adjust it. But if you look at it from where we had these guys on April 8th before their draft, I think this year is the best quarterback class from 2017 till now. 2018 was a, a really good year. You know, We also had five quarterbacks going the first round that year. But uh, I was a little bit lower on Lamar Jackson. I was a little bit lower on Josh Rosen uh, comparatively to where we have these guys now with five quarterbacks being ranked inside the top 26 overall players. We're likely going to see four quarterbacks go in the top four. It's, it's really unprecedented. You know, I've been doing this since 2010, and I don't think we've ever seen a quarterback class with this much talent or, you know, this many players who are going to be drafted so early. Some of that's because of the rookie wage scale and the you know the blueprint to build around a rookie quarterback contract, but it also speaks to the really unique talent in this year's class. with And cool stories, you know, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields were 1A, 1B in their recruiting class, and here they are now. Three years later, and they're both you know going to be very early picks in the NFL draft. And then you've got you know the guys who kind of came from nowhere with Trey Lance and Zach Wilson being really under recruited. Mac Jones biding his time behind you know great quarterbacks at Alabama. So it's it's really a fun year because you've got good people who are also good players.
0: Before I let you go, next couple of days in Indianapolis, the medical check that essentially is the reason why there ha- uh, the combine was created and still may be the most important part of the combine where a representative a medical representative of each team is there and puts their puts their hands on the prospect and and yeah. that's going down over the next 2 days in Indianapolis due to covid restrictions and what have you it's happening now so close to the draft what what's the the key out of this one who are you looking to hear about and what do you think who who do you think is really uh, on the griddle on this one
2: yeah, I think Caleb Farley, the corner from Virginia, is a big one. Uh, Adam Schefter reported a micro disk about two weeks ago. He's had a previous back injury, a knee injury. So I think Farley is probably the most electric corner in this class, but injuries could push him down the board. So that's going to have to get checked out. Landon Dickerson, the center from Alabama, who got hurt towards ACL in the FCC championship game. Really want to see where he's at You know, in his rehab process, how far along. He has come. Is he going to be back by September? Is it going to be a November timeline? So I think Landon Dickerson's a really interesting one. And then Jalen Phillips, the pass rusher from the University of Miami, he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, had four documented concussions at UCLA, retired for a year, comes back to the U and has a great year last year. I think if he if there weren't you know the past concussion issues, we would be talking about a top fifteen pick. So it would be important for teams to to get that connection with him to be able to put him through the medical testing, and, and with all these players, see where they're at. Because there are guys every year where we don't have them flagged medically, and then you you hear from teams, oh, hey, this guy's got a knee that's degenerative, or this guy's got a, a labrum tear that he didn't know he had. And so there's there's always a couple surprises.
0: Matt, thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. Um, enjoy seeing you on the Worldwide Leader. Send my best to all our friends there at ESPN, and let's do this maybe a couple t- uh, time before the draft and then afterwards. Appreciate it.
2: So- Sounds great, Rich.
0: Thank you. You got it. That's Matt Miller. Check him out on ESPN. And Two Girls, a guy, and a podcast, role, Podcasts, can be acquired. Hey, um, this is part of the reason why we're having Thomas Dimitrov on the show tomorrow, because he knows how to manipulate a draft board. He knows what phone calls are being made. He also knows what it's like to be in a draft meeting with Arthur Blank. I, I, I think what Matt Miller said there, it's true. Mr. Blank, what do you think? This is how much Matt's going to cost. This is how much it would cost for us to maybe draft someone now and say goodbye to him here. This is how much it would cost to draft someone now and say goodbye to him this far down the road. This is how much it would cost to just, like, send him packing right now. Somebody might want him. I mean, there's not much market for him. But if we draft a quarterback here, this is what we're gonna need to do with Matt Ryan in 2022 or 2023. What do you think? Or boy, do we love this guy, Kyle Pitts? Here's the video. You have seen, you know, you've been in all these meetings, you've heard what we talked about him. He's might moder- it's possible he's already zoomed with Kyle Pitts himself. And then let's go. Let's Matt's go. this, Julio's that, Calvin Ridley's that, Kyle Pitts is all that. Let's <laughs> roll. <laughs> And, and T.D., Thomas Dimitrov, has been in a room with this, this guy who's oh, very, very involved. Not like to tell you must draft this person, but he's involved. He's in the mix. That's why we're having Thomas on the show tomorrow, an hour or two. It'll be a great chat. And then I have a couple more cents on the subject right there of what he had to say about you know draft class next year for the quarterbacks. 844-204-RICH. We'll hit that when we come back on The Rich Eisen Show on Peacock and this radio network. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets
3: This is the Rich Eisen Show. Mr. Brockman, since our last hearing, we've discovered that your living situation has changed and you are now cohabitating with your girlfriend. Is this true? Yes. Does your girlfriend own any pets? A mixed dog named Maverick. It's come to our attention that you've been shirking your responsibilities with this pet.
1: I don't know what that word means you just said.
3: Shirking? Dodging your responsibilities?
1: I haven't signed anything.
3: How about we just go to the video? Can you
1: describe what's going on, please? I was going to be nice and uh, take the dog to the bar, which I think is a totally normal thing to do. It saw a squirrel across the street, thought he could catch it. Then he saw another squirrel and chased after it.
3: How do you think your girlfriend would feel if Maverick actually got run over by a car that day? I mean, I think as long as
1: we stayed under the deductible on the car insurance, we would have been fine.
3: Okay, Mr. Brockman, let's move on. In old school gambling parlance, are you familiar with the term cooler?
1: Yes. If you're at a hot table and you sit down and all of a sudden the cards don't go your way, you're the cooler.
3: And do you believe that the concept of the cooler also can exist in sports? Sure. I think that's possible. Mr. Brockman, is it true that you attended Super Bowl 52 as a Patriots fan and Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals as a Celtics fan? Where are we going with this? Yes or no. Did you attend those games? Yes. Can you please tell the committee the results of those games?
1: The Eagles won the Super Bowl, and the Cavs won Game 7.
3: And Mr. Brockman, is it true that the Rich Eisen Show for the past four years has conducted a March Madness bracket challenge in which the loser has to wear clown makeup? That's true, we've done that. Who lost this season? I lost. And the season before that? I lost. The season before that one? I lost. And the season before that one... I lost. Mr. Brockman, do you think your history of bad luck will have a detrimental effect on the Rich Eisen show as it heads to Washington, DC? Well, actually, I think that it's just I plead the fifth. Right. Mr. Brockman, what I mean by bad luck is any unforeseen mistakes or accidents like last time when the show was in Washington,
0: DC. Hit it. This is definitely not gonna end well. Oh.
1: Is this necessary? I'm out of here.
3: Yikes.
2: Medic. Medic.
1: (laughs) I don't really like that one. I don't really enjoy that one that much.
0: Not a big fan. You play it to the hilt, though, Chris. I know. Well, I'm a good actor. You played it to the absolute hilt. (laughs) But part of that is true. Like, you were not playing Oh, all much. of
1: that did happen. Yeah, all that stuff is real. All that stuff is <laughs> totally that stuff real. Is real. Very yeah, good. Yeah.
0: Go to our YouTube feed. A quarter of a million uh, subscribers. We thank everybody out there. Uh, right here on the Rich Eisen Show. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. If you want to have a chat with us, 844 rich number to dial here on radio. We just mentioned that our YouTube stream um, and our page, over a quarter of a million subscribers. We've now topped 250. I saw a tweet during the commercial break Somebody uh, went down a wormhole of best of Del Tufo. Whoa! The reason why I know that is you retweeted that person. Yes, Mikey. <laughs> yeah. Yes, of course. Then why, then why did you say whoa? Well, you like he didn't know it. It's all good. That's <laughs> no. part of the best of Del Tufo. That's right? Branding. It's branding. It's branding. the best brand. of Del Tufo. That's not what is branding on is on like, YouTube. That's fine. You are that's walking fine. content, sir. I mean, look God at bless me. it. So, uh, Matt Miller saying, you know, hey, you have to look down the road and wonder if there's better starting quarterback class. And, you know, the pro- I, I, I don't ever understand that. You know, again, I've been at this a long time. And, and, and he says it. I've even said it. Other people have said it, too. Okay? I'm, and, but I just wanted to just hit this one more time right here. I would never – I would have before – but having been around this uh, NFL world as long as I have and getting set for my 17th NFL draft that I'm, I'm hosting. Congratulations. Um, thank you, Chris. Really appreciate that. I don't know if you've, if you've heard. I'm planning to say that at least once a show <laughs> all the way through, okay, up to the draft. <laughs> 17 NFL drafts. Um, I've been around the block, and I've seen a lot. And I am now of the mindset, if I owned a team in the NFL, I would basically say to my evaluator, if they said to me, next year's quarterback draft class is better, maybe we wait for that. And I would essentially say to that evaluator, do you plan on sucking this year (laughs) to the point where we're going to have an opportunity to go get that? Certainly, if said evaluator does not have the draft capital already in hand to say, no, no, we could still we could still make a run for the Super Bowl. Sir, you have to call me sir. Sir. Right. (laughs) And so we we could still make a, a run to the Super Bowl. But we already have the first overall pick of such and such a team that we could package together. We could get who we want. I mean, I can move I can move up the draft board next year. Right. You know like mm. I would never say next year's draft class doesn't look so great either. So we have to go right now right because my response would be go right now for the kid that one year ago at this time wouldn't have been on your radar screen. So your talent evaluators wouldn't be able to identify somebody, in a position where we, we don't want to pick anyway. Like, it it's a it's a losing proposition if you're a talent evaluator to look over the steering wheel and say next year's class at the most important position in the sport is better or worse because my answer, you're not going to like my answer back. My answer will be, what about now? We're drafting in this position now. I don't want to draft in this position ever again. Exactly. I don't want to be here ever again, and the only reason why I do want to be here is because you fleeced Bill O'Brien out of a pick <laughs> or somebody else. You know, Just fill in the blank. You know what I mean? So you flee someone out of a pick, and great job getting that guy off of our salary cap for that asset that's now useful to us. And we still were able to fill it in because you drafted well to fill in that guy who we didn't want to pay at that position. And look at the asset we have, like, way to go. That's why I'm happy we're drafting fifth overall. That's if I'm Stephen Ross, another fellow Michigan man, looking at Chris Greer and saying, "Out of boy, well done, good job." Third overall, and you're changing that guy, Laramie Tunsil, like into the modern day Herschel Walker. I would never want to say that. So so to sit here and say next year's draft class doesn't look all that good, how do you know? Like literally two of the top five picks in this year's draft at this point last year weren't even considered two of the top five picks in this year's draft. Or three of them if you want to include Matt Jones. You know? We're talking about Trevor Lawrence and we're assuming Justin Fields, right? At this point last year. Snapshot of last year at this point. Yes. So I, I, if I'm the Falcons and I'm sitting there and I'm looking to maybe reset the clock because the only team right now that has a long-term vision in the division right now at quarterback is Carolina right now. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we'll see what Jameis is. At some point, Tom Brady will have to step away. <laughs> I mean, maybe. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, He's not going to be bionic and it, well, I shouldn't say what I should never hey, put Rich, anything past the match. Rich, we have no but, idea. So that's what that. I'm saying. Like maybe we start right now. Let's set up right now. So when Tom Brady does step away, we've got our guy for the next 10, 12 years and we're the behemoth atop this division. I can't wait to talk to Thomas Dimitrov tomorrow. Cause he probably, he probably has a good sense of what Arthur Blank is actually saying to Arthur Smith and the rest of the new regime there and asking what questions he needs to have answered. Cause he's going to be part of that decision. Well, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't, if I'm an owner, I don't want to hear what next year's draft class looks like. Next hour, I'll talk about that. John <laughs> Cena and you, right here on the Rich Eisen Show. What type of owner would you be? It would be... What type of owner would you be? It would be really
1: hard not to be... Involved. Like Jerry Jones. But you also yeah. don't know.
0: Don't know what? You don't know all 22. Like somebody else. I mean, dude, I know you, your high school, you know, <laughs> your high school helmet is signed by Snoop, right? Around here? It is. Because he thought it was the USC. He thought it was USC. Right, So, he it, to right. Sign. so I he signed, had him sign it. He signed your. Yeah. That's a one of one. With all due respect, Chris. Thank you. I also coached a year, Rich. Okay. So, so just I'm not saying you don't know X's and O's and football. I know, I but understand. Come on. But it like, would be you really hard wanna, not to be Jerry Jones. That's why you hire You're
3: a less Sneep. But that, everyone, Thomas, you, everyone, that's why you want to hire Demetrius or those guys. Everyone talks because crap about Jerry Jones, yes. but Chris is How right. How would you like it? Exactly. We would do every person who sits there and craps on Jerry Jones, if they would ran and owned the NFL team, would. would have their fingers in I that know, pie. Man. They'd be, be in the r- kitchen. Writer, it would be really hard not I'd to I'd be on it. my yacht in the Bahamas going, just do it. Win.
1: I don't know, man. Or you're out. It's your money. Still. It would be really hard not to be Jerry Jones.
3: It really would. I wouldn't. Ha- to I would be honest. I've worked with enough crews in audio that I've had hi- to hire people that I let them do their job. Well, you're the Bill you, Walsh of audio. Exactly. That's you let the, your players do their jobs. <laughs> yeah. I just but, hired guys for a show I'm okay. doing in two weeks for five, for right. BBC. Who's
1: the opposite of Jerry Jones?
0: Oh, who does nothing. Okay. Well, not does but nothing. I mean, no. well, I mean when but you just his
1: hands off, hands oh. off,
0: quote unquote, craft. huh Hire yeah. Bill and just say go. Yeah. Interestingly enough, Parcel says I, they don't want to let you shop for the groceries around here. Out of here. He signs And then he it, hires basically. Bill Belichick yeah. and he's shopping groceries now in his third decade there. He just signs it just. I mean, I don't know. Boom. Mark Murphy of the, of the Packers. Well, Del Tufo. Mike Del Tufo of the, of the Packers. Packers. That's what I'm saying. Packers. I don't do really much. <laughs> I on my we, we only have 30 seconds left here. I want to <laughs> unpack this after the break. This is a great question.
1: And I'm trying to put up a poll about yeah. it. Especially
0: since Gary Vee is my guest on this week's Just Getting Started. And he
1: wants to own the Jets. Well, and he yeah. wants to own the
0: Jets. I asked him, what type of owner would you be? Oh,
1: amazing.
0: Gary's involved. Wait till you see go. to you know, wait till you see what he's got to say. You know, wait to see what he's got to say. Because I'll tell you what, you don't want to wipe out Nice. Hey now. Come on now. Look at. All right, I'm Dad No. Did you just play Dad No? Dad (laughs) No.